Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and alligators with nightmares of becoming handbags and matching shoes. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means? It's tea with BBP. Live from Wells Hall on the beautiful Michigan State University campus, it's me, your host, BVP. My real name, of course, is Bill Van Patten, your international superstar and diva of SLA. With me are my co-hosts, the dynamic duo, and I'm not talking Batman and Robin, although they do like to wear tights and capes on occasion. <laughs> Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. Say hi, you two. Hi, you two. Hi. Uh, I'm wondering if I'm Batman or Robin. I don't know. I don't know. Who do you want to be? I don't, I don't have any idea. <laughs> Who's Batman? I was about to say, do you know who they are? <laughs> <laughs> Batman was married to Pink. <laughs> oh, okay. Pink. Walter, you know who Pink is, right? Well, sure. Walter, we had orientation last week, and, and there was uh, we had a guest speaker, and he was doing TPR storytelling, and so we made this one uh, woman who was with Walter in the scene. We named her Pink, and Walter had no idea who Pink was. So No, I said I probably would if... I heard the music, but I I can never I don't ever remember who sings a song. I just remember the song. Okay, well you know you gotta get with that stuff. Let me tell you. Okay, we need to pause for a minute before I, I you know what I just realized today, September first. I know That's it's crazy. crazy. I'm a, is it just me or is it Earth speeding up or something? I, is it like going around the sun faster? What I you know must be. I, I saw to, my first email of the morning of many billions that I feel like I've received today. And I saw that it said September 1st on it. And I was like, Can't today's right. September 1st? Right? That's no. not possible. I know, right? Denial. Right? I need to get my meds checked or something. I tell you, it's just going so fast. You know, <gasps> I, you know what I realized? You know what I realized, too, is that this is September. Next month is our one-year anniversary of doing the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's our one-year anniversary. And we're going to have a major contest. Do you want to know what our contest is yeah. going to be? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to tell you all, but we're going to have uh, a major. We're going to launch it next week. We will. I don't will, even know about this. Yeah, do you know, know about? We'll this? put it up. <laughs> we'll put it up on the website, and we'll launch the contest. It's going to go on for a long time because people are going to need time to do it. Oh boy! Um, and I'm just going to give you this one hint. It involves lip syncing. You know what? We did a lip sync battle um, in my study abroad program this summer in Germany. You did the two the two classes. Yep. And it was the best thing ever. They they pulled us off overnight. It was amazing. Well, there you go. I mean, some some people, you know, there's a there's an art to lip syncing. Oh yeah, there is. As someone who's spent a lot of time lip syncing, I can tell you. <laughs> and speaking of lip syncing, ask me what I'm going to start in two weeks. Actually, yeah, not next week, the week after. What are you going to? What are you going to start? Yeah. Oh gosh, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> the diva tour. The Diva Tour. Uh, yeah, I am. Nice. I am doing a series of talks. I am giving lots and lots of talks this semester. I'll be shouting out every week. In fact, it's going to be weird because uh, on a number of occasions, I will be dashing out of the studio to go to the airport so I can get on a plane so I can be somewhere on Thursday night because I have something on Friday morning. So wow. my first, the first stop in the Diva Tour is Ohio. I'm going to be doing the Ohio Five conference that's going to be hosted in Kenyon College. Uh, on September, I think it's 17th. Is that a Saturday? September 17th? No, I don't know. Whatever that Saturday is. And uh, then the week after, uh, we have the Second Language Research Forum. Then the week after that, I'm going to be in Colorado for the Co Colorado Congress on Language Teaching. Nice. And then uh, Mark Knowles, our friend, also invited me to Boulder. So I'll be going to Boulder on Monday and giving cool. a talk and meeting with people. So that's the beginning of the Diva Tour. And then it goes on in October, it goes on in November. And I will be so tired. 
by the time <laughs> by the time Thanksgiving rolls around. When we get to ACFA, I'm gonna have bags under my eyes like nobody's business, I tell you. More than the ones I have right now, Walter. I know I can see you staring at me right here in the studio. <laughs> I think Angelica's the one staring. Yeah. What? There are none. Yeah, that's because I I use a lot of cover up. <laughs> I watch those Cindy Crawford commercials like a hawk because they teach me a lot about, you know. Okay. Maybe he's born with it. There you go. Maybe so if you tuned Maybelline. in last week, if you tuned in last week, you know that we have some changes in our format for this season. Uh, first, instead of the SLA challenge quiz, what do we have instead, Walter Angelica? We have the SLA challenge, challenge question. Question, exactly. We no longer have a quiz, we have a question. So I'm going to give our audience the question in a few minutes. And the first person to make it to the phones and call in with the correct answer wins a prize. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. Applause, What's applause, prize? What's the prize? I want to know. What's the prize? What's the prize? Uh, date with Walter. <laughs> what we you stop that, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the same for the Diva Quiz. Not a date with Walter, but you get a prize. Um, instead of a Diva Challenge, uh, instead of a Diva Quiz, we now have a Diva Challenge question. You'll get that question at some point. And again, the first person who gets to the phones and calls in with the correct answer wins a date with Angelica. Oh, boy. There we go. And, of course, we have Angelica's Quote of the Week and Walter's Read of the Week, which we'll get to later. The number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that is 517. Write this down. I'll go slow. 884-4321. I'm saying it slow because we want you to call in. How would you say that number in German, Angelica? 884-4321. I could have done that. I remember that when, when Chad taught uh, nice. us numbers in German one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Angelica will be on Mixler to see what issues come up. Walter is being, we will be looking at our T with BVP Gmail account. And But we don't want you to be shy. And we know some of you out there, so we're going to come and get you if you don't call in. Remember, this is a call-in talk show. Right, Walter? That's right. It's a call-in talk show indeed. Otherwise, it's just me and Angelica talking to Walter, and you know what that's like. So we need you to call in. Otherwise, Angelica and I will just do what? It's I don't boring. Know, throw water bottles. I don't know what we'll do. <laughs> anyway, so call us again, 517-884-4321. The show today is a topicless show. Today our show is Anything Goes, and it does not mean that we will do anything for food and drink. No, it does not mean that. Anything goes means you call in with whatever you want to talk about. And if you, in case you don't have a topic, I have a topic for people if they want to respond to it. Hmm. But otherwise, you can call in with anything you want. Um, here's my topic for the day. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. There should be a constitutional amendment banning tests in language classes. Huh. That's my topic. What do you wow. think about that assertion, Walter? Walter's giving I thought me it was a no-topic day. I'm a little bit confused now. I just throw that because sometimes people don't have a topic, and they go, mm-hmm. they want something to respond to. But otherwise, you call them with what you want to talk about. But I think there should be a constitu- constitutional amendment banning tests in language cl- classes. Okay. But anyways, whatever you guys want to talk about today, you call in. Again, 517-884-4321. And I, got some, I am a harbinger of news here. I've got some news. This is, this. you want to hear I am ready for news. Remember our perky intern who's no longer with us? Emma. Emma. Guess what Emma's done? What has Emma done? Emma has launched <laughs> a... Her name is Emma Dunn. <laughs> yeah, guess, Sorry. No, Emma's not done. Gosh, man. Let me get a drink of water. Hold on a second. Her <laughs> name is Emma Dunn, though. I mean, it's just how She it done is. did it. She done did yeah. it. Okay, anyway, Emma has just started French Brains, which is an online tutoring uh, business. 
or site, whatever. So we want to let you all know what Emma's been up to since she's left us. You can find her on Twitter. Just go to at French Brains. There you go. Cool. Good for Emma, right? Yeah, go Emma. I'll tell you. That education here at MSU paid off. So, all right. We are going to, um, before we get to Walter's Reed, oh, Walter's Reed Hospital. I just got that. Uh, 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 anyway. uh, and the SLA challenge question, which I will give in a minute, we got somebody calling in because I think he wants to talk to us. Or should I make him wait five minutes? No, 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 no. Should I make him wait? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. That's right. It's long distance. It's a toll, it's a toll call. As we, to, as we used to say in the old days. A toll call. Okay, so we got somebody on the phone. We got Grant. Grant's calling. Where is Grant calling from, Grant? Grant is calling from St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota. Was it, who was St. Paul? Thank you so Paul? much what? for accepting the charges. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We're going to have uh, Angelica's paying for the charges. So. Oh, great. <laughs> so what's going on in St. Paul, Grant? Thanks for calling in. What's I, up? How, how are you all? Well, we're good. We're good. We're Much here. Much better now than that you're calling. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Angelica, that's so sweet. Because you, um, you light up so our life. <laughs> you know we can't smile without you. Okay, Grant, oh, please talk to me. Grant. Crazy here. Grant, please talk to me. Okay. <laughs> so what's up, Grant? I can't believe you let Walter sing. Um, <laughs> I've been kicking him under the table, but evidently he can't feel it. He must have shin guards on or something. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So I wanted to call in today, guys. I wanted to share um, with you and with others uh, who were listening that um, over the summer there was a fabulous um, conference in, in uh, Iowa called Comprehensible Iowa Grassroots. Um, started up and, and run by Elizabeth and Kim down near Des Moines. And uh, from that, we, uh, we've, grown, we've grown this idea of creating a regional um, conference that, uh, that specifically looks at uh, the comprehensible input um, techniques in the classroom. And so I'm calling to let you guys know about Comprehensible Midwest. Awesome. Which is a, yeah, first of its kind regional conference focusing on uh, supporting and promoting language teachers throughout the Midwest who are uh, embracing the process of TCI, Teaching with Comprehensible Input. Okay, and your website, your web, I bet your website is comprehensiblemidwest.com, is it? It is, it is, it absolutely is. Oh, well, good, that's <laughs> great. When, when are you going to put me on the, when are you going to put Comprehensible Midwest on the Diva Tour? Uh, well, you know what, this is, this is kind of crazy. We just decided that we're going to go ahead and, and, and instead of planning for a year and then making the conference happen, we're going all in right away. So September 24th, is the date for the conference, and it's in Milwaukee. And get a load of this. We have 150 spots, and we only have 15 left. Wow. wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah. We've got people from 11 different states traveling to the conference so far. Well, good for you guys. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Again, if anybody else is interested out there, go to comprehensiblemidwest.com, and, and the information is there. Right, Grant? It sure is. It's there. It, it's, uh, we, um, yeah. Can I say a little bit about it, or you want let to let people read on the website? Well, let us read on the website, because we've got more people calling in already, believe it or not. Right so, on. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, yeah. I hope no, that's great. The, that's great. Thanks for the, calling in. That's, and, and I think I'll see you sometime in October, correct? You're going to see us at the MCTLC, the Minnesota Fall Conference, uh, 
in uh, the Twin Cities on October 28th. You're going to be keynoting for us. That's fabulous. We're really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's part of the Diva Tour this semester, so great. The, that's right. You major Diva Tour. The Diva Tour. <laughs> the All only right. bad thing about you coming to Minnesota in October is that you get to go to Colorado first. Why is that a bad thing? About that, but why is that a bad thing? What's that? Why you said that's the only bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? Well, because I have to wait until you go to Colorado before I get to hang out with you and drink a martini in October. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, we will talk about that, Grant. <laughs> you know, you right can on. call me any afternoon after five o'clock, and and we can talk on the phone and, and have a cocktail and 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 talk uh, <laughs> language teaching stuff over a cocktail by on the phone. I've done that in the past, so. <laughs> right on. Sounds All right. Good. Well, thanks for calling in, Grant. And hey, everybody, remember what he just talked job. about, comprehensiblemidwest.com, um, and check it out. They're going to have a conference in Milwaukee on September 24th. It sounds really good and exciting. I love all these initiatives. Good for you guys. Go, go, go. Right on. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Grant. Have good to talk day. to you, Grant. Okay. Bye. Take care, Grant. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. They're also on Twitter, by the way, at CI Midwest, in case you want to follow them there. Oh, cool. That's great. I just love that people What's are... Twitter? I, Oh What's God! Twitter? I'm going to Twitter <laughs> you in a minute. Oh gosh, I tell you, see what see, and I work with him every day. This is what my life is like. People don't understand Angelica, but I, you love him. I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna call Pope Francis because I think I need to be sainted and when <laughs> I die. Anyway, so <laughs> Walter, do you have a read for us this week? Oh boy, do I ever! I have a read. Would you like me to tell you a little about it? Come on, Walter, read. We got All people right. on the phone. Come on. All right. I'm not getting any younger this here. This is coming from the Language Educator, which was put out just this past week. I got it. I love Language Educator. That's from those of you who don't know. That's put out by the American Council on Teaching of Foreign Languages. There, there was a bi-monthly, every two months newsletter, uh, magazine things. Pretty cool. But yeah. What do, you, what do you got? All right. So yes, indeed, the Language Educator, August September 2016, Volume 11, Issue 3, on page eight, there is an article. Under the breaking news segment. And the title of said article is the following Brain wave patterns help predict speed of language acquisition. So uh, it actually is not the whole article. The article was published in the, the journal Brain and Language and it talks about how some researchers from the University of Washington in Seattle uh, did a study and feel that they have come up with some proof that there's something that shows uh, that the speed of language acquisition um, is, well, demonstrated by these brainwave patterns. So go ahead and read that uh, there in Actful's Language Educator. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd love to know what you think about that because I, I, I think that... No, uh, I have to tell you that. I love when Actful does this in their Language Educator. They publish these little blurbs mm -hmm. because even if you... you know, I actually went and read the original article and I, it came to my attention because it got published yeah. in the Language Educator. And of course, I'm gonna, I would quibble with the not quibble, I would actually argue with the authors of that article. Let's hear it. But no, 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 no. We know right now because we got people calling. Maybe <laughs> later on, I could do it. no. But my point is, is that I really think this is a great service that Actful does. That they bring these things to people's attention so that they can go look them up. And 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 I think it's a great service. I like that. That's good. And I do recommend. I went and read the original article. It's not very long. It's actually almost like a research report. Hmm. It's like two or three pages in the journal. Um, then it's got its appendices afterwards. So I highly recommend people go to that journal, Brain and Language, and read the original. And then we can talk about that sometime because I think it's uh, it's worth talking about. Very interesting. Well, thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you, Walter Reed. We'll talk later because I'd love to hear what you think about it. Okay. Well, right. We got no people. one else does, apparently. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and give people the SLA challenge question now so that they can call in. And then I think we're going to take a phone call after that. Here's the SLA challenge question. You ready for this? Yeah. Who, this is a who question, so you have, must call in with a name. <laughs> who began the communicative revolution in the United States with her landmark 1972 study? 1972, that's the vault, right? So who began the communicative revolution in the United States with her landmark 1972 study? You got 10 minutes to call in for that one? First person calling with the answer is going to win a prize. Haven't we already talked about that on the show many times? Well, see how people pay attention, Walter. See, this I'm just is also wondering if I'm remembering. It's like a pop. Right. It's like a pop quiz to see if people have been paying attention, right? I see. Okay, we got Faith on the line. Is there a Faith on the line from Chicago? Yeah. Hi. Hey, Faith. Welcome to Tea with BVP. How's Chicago treating you? It's good. It's good here. It's still still warm, which I'm grateful for. You know, I used to live in Chicago, right? I didn't. I lived on Well Street. You did not know that. No, it's a great place. Very lively. Yeah, I taught at UIC for seven years before I got recruited somewhere else and then before I came here. So, huh. yeah. What part of Chicago you live in, may I ask? Not that we're going to stalk you or anything. <laughs> Evanston. Evanston. Oh, so you're, mm-hmm. okay, you're not in Chicago. You're in Evanston. That's like right. a whole. Well, you asked where I live. That's a whole separate <laughs> world. But, uh, do you teach? Uh, do, do you teach up in Evanston? I teach, no, I don't. I teach actually north of Chicago. Oh, but okay. I figured Chicago would be a pretty generic you know, local place to, to call home for this call. Well, we do. I, I have friends in Evanston. Um, people live there a long time, and I, I know people at Northwestern, and so Evanston is a great town, great town. So It is. I love it. So, Faith, what's on your mind? What you calling about? Well, I'm calling um, to get your thoughts on something. So we started school earlier this week. Uh, hmm. We're in day four now. And um, I teach seventh and eighth grade, and these students, for the most part, unless they're new to the district, have been learning Spanish using comprehensible input for years. Um, they start in about first grade. So they come into seventh grade with quite a foundation of, of, um, of, what, of comprehension and also just the capacity to, to speak. And I've got one student who, who is new, you know, new to the school, well, meaning like he just came from the, the other younger school. And, um, and, and he, the first day basically said, I don't speak Spanish, you know, and I thought, oh, is this a new kid that just kind of fell through the cracks? And I looked at his record. No, he's been here since first grade studying. And then I realized, oh, no, he's actively recruiting people to speak English with him and to not take the class seriously. And, um, you know, basically be disrespectful. And uh, I was wondering what you would do in the first week of class to sort of, you know, as we're building community and getting to know each other, staying in the target language, you know, to deal with a student who really just wants to speak English and see how much he can get away with um, and, and, and minimize sort of the sense of safety in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this. It's been the first week, right? So how, do you know, have any sense of how the other students are reacting to him? Yeah, he has one friend in the class who he seems to, you know, get the response he wants, you know, like the chuckle or the guffaw or the laugh or whatever. And the other students seem uncomfortable, you know, they're, and I can tell it's a nice group of kids, but they're, they don't want to look uncool by participating and getting excited. And you can tell he's just so, he's too cool for school. He's mm-hmm. so over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's sort of fouling the, the overall sense of the room. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious what, what ideas you might have 
in that kind of regard. I've, I've never had to deal with this with a with a, that age. I know what I would do with a university student. I would actually talk to the student about, so you need some attention, do you? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and because that's exactly what's going on, right? He he's right, just right. he wants attention. Um, yeah. And so I, I, you know, I'm at a loss because there's certain things, there's certain ways I would talk to university level students that I don't think you can talk to a, what's he, 13 years old, 12, 13 right? Years yeah. Old, yeah. It d- might be different. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Walter. You've taught, you've taught, you've taught secondary. Um, you have any advice for Faith on this? How you would talk to somebody like that who's acting up and trying to be the center of attention and detract from what she's trying to do? I think I'd just send him out and say, "I'm done with you." No more in my class. Mm-mm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, know, I, I want. I, I ideally, I want him. I want to get him on my side. Yeah, I. I, I, want I think him that. Do want to be there? I think that it's hard to really say because uh, not being you know in the situation, I think it's hard to put myself into that situation. But I think that it would involve having a conversation with that student outside of the class, uh, mm-hmm. and and saying you know kind of having a heart to heart and say, listen, you know, we really want to want this to be a positive experience for you, but also for the other students in the class. And what can we do to make this something that's positive for you? We're not going to change what we're doing in class, but, but you know, um, and how can you buckle down and and, uh, and have a positive experience in the class? And, you know, just kind of talk face-to-face with the student and see if that helps. And also, mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes even just the threat of talking to parents sometimes scares those kids a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. say, you know, I'd l- maybe maybe I need to touch base with your parents so we can see if there's some strategies that I can can use that maybe they're using at home that can be helpful for, you know, your behavior and then, um, and then you know, making this a positive experience for you because that's exactly what we want it to be. We want it to be a positive experience and, and, a, and a positive learning experience for you. So mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that seems pro- right. probably pretty simple. I, I, but well, actually, no, sometimes yeah. simple is, is the way to go. And I think mm-hmm. the, the other thing you can do, Faith, is once you t- engage in that conversation and feel him out, maybe there's something you can find, some role you can find for him to, to, to do in class for a while that will allow mm-hmm. him to get that little sense of attention but mm-hmm. while doing something constructive for you in class, so when you have that I conversation, like that. Yeah. when you have that conversation with him, ask you, you might just come right out and ask him. Say, okay, let's say his name is Bobby. So Bobby, what 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 can I give you in class to do so that you can participate and and be a part of class? I want you to be a part of class, and I and I know you know a lot, and I want you to show off what you know. So if you put mm-hmm. a, a positive spin on that, and then see see what he, see if he can come up with something that he might want to do. Um, mm-hmm. He just need, great. He needs a role. He needs a role in class. So and you might have to, and mm-hmm. if he doesn't come up with something, say, well, you know what? I'm going to think about it. So give me a couple of days to think about it, and I'm going to see if I can come up with something for you to do in class so you can help lead some of the stuff in class. And I bet you that might turn him around if he has a That's sense cool. of being empowered and a sense of, okay, I can be at the center yeah. attention without acting up. So. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate this. And also take a look at Mixler and see what some of your colleagues are um, suggesting too. Okay, I will. Thank you. Okay. All right, Wow, they're on top of things on Mixler. Good luck with that, Faith. Thanks for calling in. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, Okay, I'm going to be in Chicago October 21st, 23rd, 22nd, whatever that weekend is. So I'll be on the UIC campus at the Bilingualism Forum as part of the Diva Tour. So if you're around, come down and say hi. (laughs) All right, we'll do. Okay, all right. right, Thanks. I just can't believe this Diva Tour business. That's, uh, yeah, but her question's a tough one because we get those at the college level sometimes too sure. like that class I said for you last semester Walter there was those that couple of young ladies in front who were like acting up a little bit while I was there and you know I kind of put them in their place in a nice way but gave them something to do and 
And uh, I mean, they were acting out and saying, do you mind if I eat in class? And I just say, no, as long as you share. <laughs> so I just walked over while they were eating and I just took a bite of her bagel. <laughs> She's got, she was like, <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> no. Wow. And I said, <laughs> and I just told her in Spanish, I go, that's good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> totally ruined my paleo diet that day, but that's all right. What was her uh, reaction? She just was dumbfounded. She didn't believe I would do it. <laughs> so anyway, I said, if you're going to eat my class, I'm going to eat with you. So, <laughs> all right. Wow. Angelica. We're going to have Angelica's quote. Do you know what Angelica's quote is, Walter, for this I week? don't know. You do not know? I do not do you know. Not, do you two not talk to each other between shows? We do, but I don't say, hey, what's your quote going to be for the show? <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's well, you should. A topic of conversation. Did you know what I was going to talk about I, I did for not the article? Know. No. no. Okay. We have a lot more interesting things to talk about. Well, that's okay. Sorry. What? You're trying to say this show is not interesting? <laughs> you just insulted our 3,000 listeners out no, there. No, no. <laughs> All right. No. Okay, Angelica. What's your quote of the week? Angelica's got her weekly quote. We want to hear what it is. Do you want me to start with a quote first or where it's from? You can do whatever you want to do. Sweetheart. Okay, so your, here's the quote. Your corner. You guys ready? Here it goes. If teachers, especially new teachers, come to language teaching with some knowledge of the results of language acquisition theory, well, rather language acquisition research, they will have much more realistic expectations about what can be accomplished. Teachers who are aware of second language acquisition findings may be more willing to expect adults and adolescents to be able to discover the underlying patterns of language without experiencing them in discrete item-by-item presentations. Wow. wow. What do you think of that? I think that's pretty uh, interesting. Spot on, huh? That's yeah, why. she's saying the more you know, the mm-hmm. more you can think about what you're doing. Yeah. What do you mean, she? Who? Who? Because I know who did, said that. Where did I, that I, quote come from? I know who said that. Because <laughs> I've, 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 I've taught. The, I've, I know that quote because I know the paper it comes from, and I've taught with that paper, and I have people read it. In fact, I probably read it this semester in my class. So, he's so smart. He is. He just knows every quote That's from every why person he is ever the diva. in the world. He's the diva. And don't and you he's forget going it. On tour. So tell people who's it from. This quote is from Patsy Lightbound's article in Applied Linguistics from 1985, and the article was titled Great Expectations, Second Language Acquisition Research and Classroom Teaching. Uh, do you remember that Allison Mackey and I talked about that last year mm-hmm. on the show? Yeah, that's a great I article. Remember, I say, didn't remember say, it was with Allison say Mackey. Say the name of the article again it. so that everybody can write it down. Great Expectations, Second Language Acquisition Research and Classroom Teaching. Patsy yeah. Lightbone in Applied Linguistics came out in 1985. That's a great article for people to read. And it's still true today. Still true. To not, yep, not just what she says, but, so. but, but the whole idea of the article mm-hmm. is true today, too. All right. We got somebody on the line, I think, who wants to answer the SLA challenge question. Shut on. Da-da. We have the challenge answerer, Terry from Columbus, Ohio. Terry, you on the line? I am. Hey, Terry. How you doing? I'm doing great. How's Columbus? Glad to hear you're coming to Ohio. Columbus, we are having a beautiful day. It is 80 degrees, no humidity, a breeze, sunshine. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, nice. I know. Just We're having a beautiful day here, too, but I like your days a little bit better. Yeah. It's a beautiful okay. day in the neighborhood. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what is wrong with Walter what today? What did they put in his water? I, I have tell you. no idea. Okay, so uh, let me repeat the challenge question, um, Terry, so everybody in the audience okay. can be remembered. Be, I mean, be reminded. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lexical access problem there. And then you can answer it. Ready? So here's the question. Okay, I'm ready. Who began the communicative revolution in the, in the United States with her landmark 1972 study? And Terry, the answer is 
I believe that would be Sandra Savignon. Sandra Savignon. Yay. Ding, 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 ding. Applause. All right. Yes. Those yes. weren't sound effects, people. I read people. that article several you, years ago. You read that article several years ago, right? Yeah, it was a lot of people don't know that that this whole revolution uh, it's not a recent thing. This communicative stuff has been around for a long time, but it's it's hard to take root. Right. I mean, think about that. 1972. It is. And here we are in oh, in 2016. Years ago. 45 years ago. Yeah, and 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 wow. there's still a lot of people out there who don't know what communicative language teaching is and don't know how to do it. So it's it's no. it's a long time for things no. to move. Well, thanks for calling in that answer, okay. Terry. Okay, you, thank uh, you. Stay on the line. Um, Jeff is, is taking the calls today, so Jeff is going to get your information so that we can send you your set of fabulous tea with BVP coasters. How does that sound? Can't, can't wait. Sounds wonderful. And if you're, I hope you can come out to Kenyon College when I'm there. Um, uh, and uh, I happen to be teaching a course on second language acquisition that day ooh. in Columbus. That day? That so Saturday? I able to see it. That, that Saturday? Saturday, yes. Wow. Uh, colleague and I, it's a series, four classes we're doing through the Ohio Foreign Language Association. We have 35 teachers from all over the state meet with us and we talk about it, give them tasks, they go home, they try and come back, and it's been fabulous. Well, good for you. Well, I guess I won't get to see you then. Maybe, well, unless um, I'll be around for dinner Friday night and Saturday night because uh, I'm staying in Columbus. I'm not staying out in Kenyon College, so. Oh. Send me an email. We'll get together. Okay. All right. I will do that. Okay, He'll Terry. I'll add you to his diva no. tour. <laughs> give, make sure you, make sure you give Jeff tour. your information before you hang up, okay? Okay. Thanks, Terry. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling in. Yay. Bye-bye. Well, that was fun. We have another question we have to put out to our audience. Oh, yeah. Diva. Diva so, it up. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's right. It's the diva challenge question. Okay. Y'all ready out there? The same rules apply here. You have 10 minutes. First person to call in with the answer for the Diva Challenge question wins a prize. Here's the question. This is an easy, this is so easy. Watch. Which diva of the silver screen uttered the famous line, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I shall repeat. Which diva of the silver screen uttered the famous line, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a Bumpy Night. Great quote. Love this movie. Okay. First one to call in. You got <laughs> Angelica, 10 minutes. do you know the answer? First one to call in. I'm Googling. And, no, don't Google. Just wait for, say, wait for someone to call with the answer. Isn't that one of the keys, you know, we try to tell our teachers? Don't ever tell your students that it's easy because then if they don't find it easy, they're going to feel really stupid. Well, I think Angelica and I are feeling a little stupid right now. But look how easy it is. But she's Googling it. That's what she makes Googled it easy. It. You can Google anything. That's what makes these questions easy. I have a question. Yeah. What's the silver screen? Thank you. I didn't know what that was either. I'm going to give you a high five right now. You guys don't know what the silver screen is, really? No. no. Is that TV? Is no, that a... silver screen is what they used to call movies before they became color. Huh. The black and white movie, the heyday of black and white movies, like the 30s and 40s, was called So this the is a diva screen. from a long time ago. Maybe maybe you don't want to answer that question. Gosh. Gosh. I'm not going to answer that question. All right. What was the quote again? I want to hear it. Okay. One more time, Walter, because you don't pay attention. (laughs) And then we're going to take some email questions. You're going to make you look at the email and give me a question here. All right. Okay. So here's the Diva Challenge question. Which diva of the silver screen uttered the famous line, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All right, let's take an email question before we go back to the phones because we've got a lot of people on email and other 
other media sites and, and, and methods of communication we'd like to hear from? So I've got a question here from Elizabeth. Elizabeth from Illinois says that Well, she, those Illinois people are calling in today yeah. in the droves. They must all be on... And she, she says, I'm so sorry I can't call in because I'm teaching live during the live show. But she does have this question, and it's about... Um, because she recently read your book, From Input to Output. And she says, in the last section about practical application, there's a page that asks whether or not students' use of L1 during tasks inhibits acquisition. Am I correct in paraphrasing that if students are using L1, it is because they have not acquired the language necessary to complete the task in the target language? In that case, is there ever a need to require students to respond in the target language? Is it possible for me as a language teacher to accept, accept answers in the L1? Do you think that I should require the use of the target language, or should I just continue to provide comprehensible input and know that when my students are able, they will produce language in the target language? Um, complicated question, Elizabeth, um, and it's a good one, too. Um, I don't remember saying that at the end of that book, um, but it's, you know, memory fades with someone like me easily. Um, so I'm, <laughs> you're probably right that I did say something like that. Um, but the idea is the following, that when, when students when students resort to their first language to complete a task, they either don't have the language to complete the task, and the flip side of that is the task is too high for their level. And so that means you've got to drop the task down so they can do it. You've got to structure the task in such a way so that um, the, they, can, they, can, um, they can complete it in, in the second language. You got that, and that part of that means that either they haven't had enough language exposure up to that task to perform it, or the task hasn't been scaffolded enough, scaffolded enough with the language embedded in it for them to do. Um, and, and so um, so I think that's probably what I was trying to get at when I was talking about that in the book. Um, and as, as for the part about do you think you should require the use of the, of the target language or should you just continue to use compre uh, comprehensive input and language in the class and so on. Um, if you require students to use the target language but again, you, you put them in a situation where the task, what you're asking them to do, is beyond their level. You really do sort of put them in a difficult situation to perform, uh, to show that they're failing as opposed to succeeding. So my responsibility, rather than make them, rather than make, require people to use a target language, use tasks. Make sure you're using things in class that students can be successful at doing so that they'll want to use the target language for that task or the second language for that task. Um, anyway, so I, that's all I'm going to say about that. But it's, it, that's a really good question, um, and I'm glad she asked that. Thank you, Elizabeth, from Illinois. Um, all right. Uh, we have another caller on the line. Ooh, I wonder if I know who this person is. There's a caller. There's Lance. Lance from Massachusetts. Now, I know several Lances. Is this Lance a lot, or is this Lance on the line? <laughs> uh, whatever you want. Everyone. Okay, this is Lance on the line from Massachusetts. Hey, Lance, how you doing? Good. Hey, Bill, Walter, and Galica. Hello, Hi, Lance. Lance. How you doing? Yeah. So, what's going on uh, in Massachusetts? Uh, well, a lot's going on here, but I have a language question. You have a language question. Oh, please don't make it a hard yeah. one. My brain's a little fried. No, I just like to hear your thoughts um, when it comes to teachers with lower proficiency in the language they're teaching. Uh -huh. um, specifically, I'm thinking not so much about the non-native-like 
things they'll say, uh, as in like incorrect forms, perhaps. I don't mean that, but more like non-idiomatic or very colloquial things that speakers don't say, but technically could make sense given the structure of the language. And the question is really, all right, if you have a teacher with low proficiency um, and they see their students for four years after like 400 or 500 hours, is that going to be a big deal for creating mental representation of that language? Um, Of course it will be. I don't know about a big deal, but remember that mental representation is partly, not completely, but partly um, based on the language that uh, learners are exposed to in some kind of communicative context. And so uh, it's it's not just about quantity of input learners get, but also the quality of the input learners get. So, um, and, and quality is, there's all kinds of factors going into quality, um, not just, I mean, speed, for example. You could have a native speaker who talks too fast, and that's not good quality input, for example. But what you're talking about is not that. You're talking about someone with, with lower levels of communicative ability in language. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Yes, yes, yeah. that's exactly. Yeah. Um, then learners will get out of that input. The learners will get, you know, start to build in their heads what they get from the input they get. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. Then it, it will affect it in some way. Um, I wasn't quite sure what, what other things you were getting at because you mentioned something about idiomatic expressions, and I don't know. And I don't know if you have something particular in mind. Um, uh, I, I could not think of a single example, like in, in something like Spanish, uh, unfortunately, but the only thing that comes to mind is that, <laughs> uh, here's a phrase, walks the dog. Okay. Mm-hmm. We say that in English. Oh, I have to walk the dog mm-hmm. in, in many languages. I'll just say that in many languages, walk doesn't really behave that way. Right. You don't actually walk a dog in some other languages. You might say lead the dog or whatever. Right. Right. So if the teacher is, I mean, is comfortable enough and really on their level of communication will say, walk the dog, um, you know, the, the students are then hearing those, that combination that's not really going to appear. Right, right. And there are a lot of things that won't appear because, remember, if you're actually communi- communicating in the classroom, real-life things that people are engaged in are going to come up constantly. You can't be bound to a textbook because a textbook is, is not communication. And so, so um, you're right that these things will come up. And this is one reason why I have, in, actually in my book um, that I'm working on, um, the chapter on input, I talk about the need for teachers to have fairly high levels of language ability um, for, for input and interaction in the classroom to, to be maximized. That doesn't mean that, that, that uh, you know, teachers have to be distinguished level speakers of a language on an ACTFL scale, for example, but they do have to have strong enough skills so that they can spend you know, their 45, 50 minutes in, in the second language very comfortably with their students. Um, so I think you're raising a good question. Um, it's a good point to raise. Um, I, you know, there's no easy solution to that. I, one that's interesting is when um, I was younger um, and in college, the idea of going abroad, I mean, most people um, who went abroad went abroad for a year because that was just, it was built in the fabric of the undergraduate curriculum for majors. And that's happening less and less, partly because we've got more people going to school now um, who um, don't have the funds to go abroad for a year. 
Um, and we also have people who are doing double majors or their, their secondary major is Spanish and it's not their primary major or French or whatever. And so they can't go abroad for a year because then they can't take their microbiology classes or their whatever classes they have to take for their major. And so you have fewer people going abroad for the extended period of time. And what we know from the research, the previous research, is that you only get to certain levels of ability with language if you have massive, massive exposure uh, and interaction with people in uh, 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 language. And so I, you know, I don't know if ACFL's done any studies on this about the level of people getting out with majors now compared to like 50 years ago, for example. But that's, that's something we should be looking at, you know, the l actual level of ability. Because if, if we want to teach for communication proficiency, we have to have you know, high levels of language in our classroom. So it's, it's, a good, it's, a good question, it's a good question to raise. Um, no easy answer there, though, unfortunately. Oh, well, thank you for just like, letting me and everyone know your thoughts on it. Uh, and feel free to kick me off if you have another caller. But the, the main reason I had this thought is that I, I teach Latin as the main language I teach. And I'm not alone here in that <laughs> teachers who, who are trying a different approach to teaching Latin, um, a communicative approach to teaching Latin, we kind of have a problem with our own proficiency, mm -hmm. which might even have been the whole reason we don't want to subject other students to the same thing we somehow stuck that out with, right? Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's just good to know that... Well, as Dan Quayle famously said, you could go to Latin America and practice your Latin. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't that know. was going to be on yeah, Delco's yeah, yeah. quote next week. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Seriously. Way to take it away from me. <laughs> Sorry about that, Angelica. Okay, Lance. Well, I do have to let you go now because we do have another caller coming in. So, um, oh no problem. Well, thank you. Yeah, but you, I, I hear you about the Latin thing because you guys, you know, you have to create your own community of speakers and see what happens. So, okay. Have a great day, Lance. Bye. Thanks okay. for calling, Lance. Bye, -bye. Bye Lance. You too. Bye. All right. That's th that's tough, you know. The Latin teachers out there, because I talked to Justin about this and some other people, they really do want to be communicative. They want to approach the curriculum differently than from the past. But there's no community of Latin speakers. They can't go. They can't do a talk abroad, for example, like we do, where mm -hmm. you can find native speakers in Latin and go hook up with them and yep. do your five talks a semester. And you can't you can't send someone abroad to speak Latin. It's just it's tough. And then they, they as teachers, have that same issue. So, you know, you that's one of those ones where you to do as best you can. So, Walter, you got a short question for me from email I before do. we uh, take our next call. Yes, I have a question from. From email land, from a, a man named Dick. He says, for any student, there is a level of language that is hard to understand. But what exactly makes oral language harder to understand than reading? Is it vocabulary, complex structures, pronunciation, speed? Is it processing time? Would lengthening natural pauses aid and improve comprehension? Ooh, that's a good question, Dick. Um, and unfortunately, it's not what I can answer. It's a, it's a, it's, it's not a short question. The question is short, but the answer is long. Mm -hmm. um, so let me say, let me say this. It is everything. It is vocabulary, uh, and it's not about complex structures necessarily. Um, it is about pronunciation and speed, particularly pausing. Learners need processing time. They need time to digest a little chunk of language before they get to the next part. Um, even for short sentences, um, learners at the beginning stages can hear a short sentence, and by the time you get to the end of the sentence, they're still processing the beginning of the sentence. Um, so there's the time, uh, uh, the effort involved in, 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 in comprehending language. Um, so adding pauses would help. Um, dealing with topics that learners are familiar with, so it's easier for them to map 
the meaning onto what they're hearing and vice versa, mapping the, uh, the form onto the meaning. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit of everything. Um, and uh, so in the beginning phrases, for the big, in, the, in the beginning stages in particular, the shorter the sentences, the better. Um, and, and repetitions and rephrasing and also making sure students are constantly involved in what you're talking about so that they're not being talked at, they're being talked with. Because that's the only way you're going to find out what they're understanding, what they're not understanding. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's um, I ta- actually, that's a, it's interesting you bring that question up, Walt, because that's also the same chapter um, that I, I mentioned to Lance a little while ago. Um, I talk about the issue of what, what helps make language comprehensible to students, uh, oral language, oral language um, at any level. And I talk about all those different factors. And there's, there's, there's a number of them. A great article, if anybody wants to read, um, actually it's a chapter in a book by Evelyn Hatch, written in 1983, I think it was. How do you remember these no things? No kidding, right? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. stunned. E- Evelyn Hatch, when she talks about the nature of foreigner talk and, and, and talk to second language learners, and she has a whole list of factors and it, sort of like a little taxonomy of stuff. So um, if I remember, I'll, I'll ask um, somebody, to Luke or somebody, to post that on our website so people can, can go, go reference that if they want to. Okie dokies. We have Gina on the line. Oh, my God. Look who Gina's calling from. Wow. Gina, is Gina <laughs> on the line? Gina's calling from Maui. Gina, are you calling from Maui? Yes, I am. Wow. Gina from Maui, Hawaii. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. Okay. I have to ask this question. Everybody's telling okay. us about the wonderful weather they're having. Aren't you having a little bit of bad weather right now? <laughs> well, actually, it's, it's sunny, but it is a little bit windy. Yeah. Uh, luckily, here in Maui, the hurricane is to the south of us, so we're really not getting any, any weather from the hurricane. That's what, I, that's what I was wondering, because I know I, when I looked at the, ma- the weather map earlier, uh, most of it seemed to be hitting the big island, which is a lot south compared to you guys, and then going, yeah. going due, due west. Yeah, they, due west. So you, w- you would get some winds, but not, not the brunt of it, so... Yeah, well, but good. we have another hurricane coming, so maybe on Saturday. Uh, you got Lester coming, right? <laughs> Who <laughs> yes, names these right. things? You know when they get to the W's, it's going to be Walter. That's going to be the hurricane coming when they get to the W's. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ever get to W's. I can't wait. <laughs> so, Gina, I understand that you're going to answer our Diva Challenge question, correct? Yes, I am. All right, well, let me, let me restate the question for everybody out there in the audience so they know what the question was, to remember them, <laughs> to remind them. Okay, so here's the question. Which diva of the silver screen, Angelica, what's the silver screen? The, the movie theater before it went color. Not the theater, just the, yeah, we had the well, whole I mean, movie yeah, industry. Yeah. Movie industry before it went color, yeah. Okay, which diva of the silver screen uttered the famous line, fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night? The answer is, Gina? Betty Davis ding, and ding, All ding, About ding, ding, Yay, you Woo-hoo! got it, yes. Wow. Do, you remember the, do you know what movie that's from, Gina? It, all About Eve. God, what a fabulous movie. Okay, I want everybody to tweet and or go on Mixler. If you've seen All About Eve, let us know. If you haven't, you've got to see All About Eve. It's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies of all time. Great lines, great lines. And that's one of them. Um, okay, Gina, well, you get, guess you get a, a, a set of coasters that are going to speed their way to, uh, to Hawaii, but I think we'll wait till Lester um, goes by so he doesn't interfere with, <laughs> okay. so he doesn't yep. interfere okay, with the airplanes great. delivering mail to you in Maui, okay? Okay, sounds great. Gina, Gina I had to look this up, and uh, I looked it up on Google, and they, they told me that that is actually one of the top ten most misquoted, misquoted. Mm-hmm. quotes from, <laughs> from a movie. Yep. Did you know that? Because most people don't say it correctly like our dear friend Bill just did. 
but, uh, but rather they say, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride as opposed to a bumpy night. Mm, yeah. It's going to be a bumpy night. No, they that misquoted. That makes sense to me. You yeah. have to see the context because what happens in the movie is they're, they're talking to Betty Davis, the character, and they say, we've seen you like this, Margo. We've seen you like this before. So tell us, what's it going to be like? And she downs her martini, heads for the stairs, spins on her heels, looks at everybody from the stairs and says, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. So anyway. How many times have you seen it? Oh, my God. I own the movie. I've seen it like 100 times. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Gina, you stay on the line, and Jeff's going to get your information, and we're going to send those coasters to you. How's that sound? Okay, great. Thanks so Thanks much. for calling in. Okay. Have a great day. Aloha, everybody. Aloha to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gina. I've been to Maui. Have you been to Maui? Nope. I've been to Maui. I've never been there. I was there one time for vacation, and I was sipping my coffee on the beach early in the morning, just minding my own business, and this pot of whales went by. <laughs> humpback whale. I think they were humpbacks. They wow. were just like, no, no, no. You know, what do you call that? The air coming out of their blowholes. They were breathing. It was really cool. Can you make that sound for us again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how whales breathe. <laughs> you know the expression, I've been breathing like a whale. Whales don't, you know, nobody breathes like a whale. You'd be breathing out the top of your head if you breathe like a whale. I've never heard that expression, actually. <laughs> Have you heard that expression on Gallica? Nope. 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 <laughs> well, you guys don't even know what the silver screen is. Well, How would you know about breathing whales? <laughs> Come on, please. All right. We got time for a couple more questions. Uh, Walter, is there, Angelica, we haven't heard anything from anybody on Mixler. Are they not like well, uh, no, talking to not, us today? No, they're giving they are, all the answers. Yeah, they're not asking yep. questions. Yep. Posting Look at links, those people. but no None questions. None of them calling in. I'm going to, okay, I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out who's going to get head lice. No, I don't know. Wow. That <laughs> That's harsh. No, I think of head lice because of that. I was watching the... Re- Have you seen the, that new sh- that TV show on ABC called The Real O'Neills? No. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. It's so funny. I just... I watch it on... Um, what do you call it? On... Netflix. No, not Ooh. Netflix. No, no. What? It's on, uh, on demand. Oh. Um, ABC On Demand. Of course. And there was an episode where uh, the, the younger sister gets her... Uh, she, there's three kids in high school, and she's the youngest. She gets her middle brother, who was trying to avoid desperately giving the speech in front of the school about to be treasurer. Um, she c- convinces the cut to, to skip the day, just cut class, just cut school. He, and he's not the kind of kid who ever do that. And so she says, "We're gonna go home, hide in the basement, you know. And then, then when it's time, when school's over, we'll just walk through the front door, and nobody'll know." And he goes, well, "What if we get caught?" And she goes, "Well, we'll just tell him we got sent home for head lice." <laughs> And he goes, headlights, what if they check our heads? And she goes, no problem. She pulls out of her backpack a little bag of a little plastic bag with a little headlights in it. She goes, oh I come goodness. she goes, I come prepared. This is not a game. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, anyway, that, I watched that. I episode. won't be recommending that to my children. I watched that episode. Well, don't Good, let me babysit shouldn't. Zach and you know Eliana. You know, I'll do that. I'll do some <laughs> all these tricks. So how about uh, another question from uh, our email list there, Walter? Sure. This is from Anna, and she says, I'm a Spanish teacher in an elementary school. Yeah. And I see the kids twice a week, and my question is, what can I expect? How much can I expect them to learn? Will they be able to talk after five years of kindergarten through fourth grade in small conversation? How much should they understand? Or maybe I should not expect anything. Well, let me answer that last question. Of course, you should expect something. The way this works, Anne, is the following, is that you have to set some goals um, and then work backwards to see if you can achieve them. So I'm going to suggest the following. If you really have them um, for like two hours a week, 
Um, and then for five years, so you have them from K through four, two hours a week. Um, I bet you could probably get them um, probably close to intermediate mid-level of speaking and listening, um, depending on how you how you spend your class time, what you get them to do. So um, I would set that as your goal and then map out your time, figure out, okay, what can I, what can I do the first year, what can I do the second year, and spend my, and just figure out what that means for you. So set a goal. I think intermediate mid probably is possible, particularly with that age group. Um, and then uh, work backwards and see how you're going to do it. Um, so yes, you can expect them to learn something. Um, don't think that because you, you quote-unquote only have them two hours a week that they can't acquire language. Of course they can acquire language two hours a week. Um, it's, it's interesting um, that once kids start to get some language, sometimes they start seeking out language on their own. You know, they like, you, you, there's a lot of Spanish and a lot of, lot of well, you're a Spanish teacher. So there's a lot of Spanish on TV that can be had. So um, it'd be interesting to find out if they wind up finding Spanish on TV on their own. Right, Walter? That's right. What do you say, Angelica? Yep. Oh, gosh. You two are so... Did you two have a coffee this afternoon? No, that's a problem. This is tea with PVP. Well, you need something. You've been munching those Kit Kats all day. You think you'd be hyped up on sugar right now. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Angelica. I didn't get a Kit Kat. Well, that's because... you Come into your office after this. Ugh. Have you got any left? No. Uh, but I, I have that other makes chocolate. Me so sad. No, that's okay. I got chocolate for you. There was this great, there was an email. Walter, I'm surprised. I just, I just pulled up the email. There's this one from Susanna. I have to read out loud because I, okay. love, I love the beginning of it. I like the question too, but I love the beginning of it. So can I read it? Can I take your job and read it for a second? Do you mind? If you must. Do you mind? Because you know I can do my job and yours at the same time. <laughs> I'd like to see it. Yeah. No <laughs> really, <laughs> really, honestly. Okay, so she says, Susanna says, Hello, thank you for taking the time to share your fabulously entertaining and informative podcast and for taking the time to read this email. I binge listened to you this summer while painting my daughter's room. Can you imagine? That's a great idea. You got a chore to do, you're gardening, yeah, like put your it. little headphones on, you know, or you're... Yeah, so she does that. She look, she kills two birds with one stone. She painted all. Although I don't know why it took her all summer to paint her daughter's room, but that's another story. <laughs> so I binge listened to you this summer while painting my daughter's room, and I'm sorry to say, will forever associate your program with a particular shade of pink called Impatience Petal. Interesting. No, I'm not even. I'm not even <laughs> going to go there. You know, I used to do a whole act in my stand-up comedy about paint colors. I can't do it on the air because you know I get, I, I would get thrown out of the university for doing it. Um, but I always wondered who makes up paint names. I, re- you know, man, we'll, we'll, we'll they talk do about come it. up with some very strange paint names. Yeah. Anyway, very I won't tell true. you my paint no. names. But okay. So uh, Susanna goes on and says, as a second year teacher and mother to two young children, four and eight, I am first of all exhausted. Who wouldn't be right? But more importantly, constantly drawing comparisons to the first language instruction they receive versus the approaches used in our second language classrooms. Most of the time, I find myself wanting to borrow ideas from them. But I've also wondered whether they might benefit from any of the proven SLA quote-unquote methods. Are there any first language elementary teachers who use anything like TPRS to teach vocabulary to young children? Um, I would ask people out there in Mixler land and Twitter land to answer that because I don't know of any. Um, So again, the question is, are there any first language elementary teachers who use anything like TPRS to teach vocabulary to young children? 
Um, you know, and I can't imagine they do. You know, the research we have, I'll tell you the re what I do know, is the research we have in vocabulary acquisition with children is that once they hit school, it's literacy that gets them more vocabulary. Um, it's reading. Reading is what makes ex vocabulary explode and, get, and, and go beyond the conversational stuff that, that kids get by the, you know, by the age of five. And then, uh, and then she says, I could see children that uh, that age, you know, or school age, really enjoying such a fun, personalized approach and was just wondering if anybody was doing it. Um, so I don't know. We'll throw that question out there. Maybe people will tweet. Maybe people will write on Mixler. We don't know. Um, but, um, you know, sounds like something that could happen. Um, but we do know, again, we do know that vocabulary growth happens with native speakers through literacy. That's when it really happens. Okay, I'm going to throw one more thing out there from a listener. Okay. This is from... Yael, I believe is how it's pronounced. And she says she teaches kindergarten through second grade Hebrew at an international school in Israel. She has a very hard time finding materials that are geared to that level. And of course, whatever I find, I have to translate. So she feels overwhelmed and at a loss as to where to begin. So if there's anyone out there who knows where or how to find some materials in Hebrew for kindergarten through second grade, let us know at T with BVP on Twitter. Cool. Hashtag. And let's hashtag. hear it for those less commonly taught <laughs> languages. <laughs> let's hear it for those less commonly taught languages. They have it tough. A lot of the teachers have a hard time finding good materials. They really do work a lot from scratch. Well, let's be even in our languages, the quote unquote bigger languages, um, there's not a lot of good materials out there. Don't quote me. Um, <laughs> you write some of them. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I say don't quote me. I'm like biting the hand that feeds. You know, that's going to be my new show. I'm putting a show together this spring. It's going to be called Biting the Hand That Feeds. I'm going to take it to all the conferences. And Walter's going to be one of my it's backups. It's going to be the next diva tour. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. I'm putting a group of backup singers together called The Inputs. Walter's <laughs> going to be one of The Inputs. I don't think so. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Angelica better be involved in this nah, as well. Nah, I, I'm busy. Oh, me too. <laughs> Angelica could produce the show. I need oh. a good oh. organized. I need a good organized person who can stand there with a clipboard. Are you saying and that I'm people. not organized? <laughs> I said look at I, the look. I said I need a good organized person. Oh, so I'm not good. Okay. Yeah, try to backpedal. All right, I got to do the acknowledgements. <laughs> we're we're going to get ready to close our show here. So, All right. I'm so glad we had this time together. Okay, we're going to thank our technical producer, as usual, Daniel Trago, who's back there, his little fingers going all over that keyboard all the time. Our immediate producer, Luca Giappone, who handles our website and our, our, um, our promo materials. Our talented and trusted call handler who didn't call today, uh, or didn't handle the calls, uh, Dustin, but he's in the booth. And our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney, who actually did take the calls today. So thank you, Jeff, for doing that. We want to thank the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University, especially our dean, Christopher Long. People have to meet our dean. He's a really good guy. True. Yep. He's a really good guy. Agreed. He's a Chris, we love you. Um, as a reminder, though, um, all the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of our Dean, Chris Long, or the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, we always like to thank you, our listeners out there, because you make us do this. So, next week, I don't know if we have a topic for next week. I'm going to make one up and put it on the website. So, <laughs> when you get the newsletter on Monday, you'll get a topic. Until the newsletter on Monday, what do we want them to have? A great weekend. Have a great next week. And of course, happy second language acquisition and happy second language teaching to everybody out there. Say goodbye, kids. Goodbye, everybody. Afida Zain. Afida Zain. Adios. Ciao. Bye. 
See you later. Sayonara. What other words can we use? I don't know. <laughs> Come on. I think you got, got them all out there that I can think yeah. of. Au revoir. Did you say that? No. Yeah. Abiento. 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 Okay. Bye, everybody. That's it for today. See you next week. <laughs>